Welcome back, new Eumaniacs, to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast, the voice of the new universe, season three. <gasps> I don't know why season three is important, but it's important because we call it season three. Uh, but anyway, we haven't made any lineup changes. Stephen's been replaced by <laughs> more diverse casting. I, I don't. This non union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> That's a Simpsons joke. But yeah, don't, Steven is Steven is don't fact, cancel us. That's Steven all has in fact not been replaced. <laughs> and you can't cancel us because our audience is too small. We're uncancelable. We'd have to get reverse canceled and thus become famous. Yes, blow us up and then cancel us if you dare. Right. <laughs> then my wife can stop calling this my vanity project. <laughs> <laughs> Season three, starting off with getting canceled, <laughs> making fun of ourselves, and <sighs> this is the uh, ser- serious part of the podcast too. And... Yes, really important. <laughs> Should we introduce ourselves? Later, we cut ourselves up a lot and uh, just laugh constantly. <laughs> laugh and then cry and then laugh again. Yeah, we're here to talk about new universe comics, and as usual, our hosts today are... Steven with Cyforce, number 13, and... Andy, giving hopefully insightful or interesting commentary on Cyforce, number 13, because this is another star brand skip month, but we've learned to live and deal with it. Um, So some of our episodes you'll be getting... Cyforce by itself and some of it maybe with a side of Starbrand. Uh, but anyway, if you're what in the world are we talking about? We're talking about the new universe. Uh, and the new universe was launched in 1986 as an imprint from Marvel Comics dedicated to a more grounded, less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window with real time progress and more realistic technology, physics and biology. And uh, eight new comic series launched all in one month, set in our world in 1986. Um, At this point, as we're reading through the comics, uh, Spitfire, Kickers Inc., Mark Hazard Merck, and Nightmask have all been canceled, but four books are still continuing. Uh, With season three of our podcast, we start the second year of New Universe Comics, but in the comics world... Uh, They still don't talk about paranormals, although the CIA is popping up in an awful lot of books. Um, There are our foil, though maybe we get a little spice of KGB this time. Hmm. Um, Yeah, so with our podcast, you can follow along with us each week and go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack, or just check out individual comics if you already have a favorite. We also have Recap issue or recap episodes for all of season one and all of season two so if you want to catch up real fast uh, we'll talk about issues one through six um, in season one recaps and issues seven through twelve in the annuals in the other ones so plenty of information for you i was surprised by how much longer season two was than season one (laughs) the annuals and an extra couple of issues and Hey, we had a cool Mike Rockwitz interview. One of the editors gave some insights about burning Jim Shooter and effigy and other things. Yeah, if we have uh, new um, interviews coming up, we'll be keep working on it from our end. Right. Are know. we supposed to be working on that? Uh, 
thought you were working on it. All right, yeah, I'm totally working on it. I'm on it. Right, Jim Shooter does not do conventions very far north, though. It seems to be the major problem as of now. Um, but anyway, as you're as you're waiting for us to come up with cool interviews, you can check out kickersinc.com, our website, until the mouse takes it away from us. Um, there are every season we do trivia challenges, so there will be a season three trivia, maybe win something. Uh, odds are quite good because not too many people participate. Uh, Twitter at Kickers Inc. Follow us. Get a little notice when the episodes are coming. Uh, we have an email, newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Join our inbox full of spammers. And uh, if you're itching for more New Universe goodness, there's a Facebook fan page, Marvel Comics New Universe fans. Lots of New Universe besides our delightful podcast. It's a new, new universe all around us. It's the Facebook fan page. It's not run by us, but they are great fans or friends of the show. Uh, this week, I'll be covering Psy Force. Or Psy Force. Psy Force? Hmm. Pounds per square inch. Bound, bound together by a psychic entity called the Psyhawk, a group of psychic teenage paranormals is on the run from government agents on both sides hmm. of the Cold War. Wayne, Tyrone, Kathy, Stasi, and Thomas? What happened or to Michael? <laughs> or as we call them, Cyforce. Uh, this week, a lot going on. Cyforce number 13, Stasi tries to aid an old family friend, but finds it might cost her freedom. Can Cyforce take on an entire Russian consulate, or will they be helpless against diplomatic immunity? Mm. Written by Fabian Nicieza, penciled by Javier Salteris. Cyforce <laughs> number 13, short version. It's the return of Cyforce's very first foe, Serge Vladimov, Vladimirov, the KGB agent. Mm. That's not his nickname, he just is a KGB agent. <laughs> <laughs> the KGB beast, or whatever it not was. Not like in, um... Mind Wolf or Thunder Brain or, you know. Attack yeah, thought guy. Would was Mind Wolf before Vladimirov? Uh, Surge came first. I I'm, I made a little recap for the beginning. Maybe oh. I can share it then. But uh, but yeah. So since this is the only comic of the issue, we can finally get around to the universe news, which is actually kind of a carryover from season two. We never finished talking about all the fun contest entries. Uh, which is more fun than the thing on the top where it talks about how they got rid of Jim Shooter. So they say it kind of nicely, like, oh, we parted ways, you know? Yeah, there's like Marvel Age has these uh, monthly pages by Stan Lee, <clears throat> supposedly, where, you know, Jolly Jim Shooter's off to, you know, more adventures <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> like, okay, buddy. Um yeah, we finally get the new the the last um couple of annuals we covered spilled over into this month. And in fact, Cyforce number 13 came out the same week as Mark Hazard Merc annual number one. But as we explained before, those were quite a mouthful. So we we uh, split those into their own shows, and we are here today. With just Cyforce number 13, the cover dated November 1987, and hitting the stands 
July 28th, 1987. So nice middle of the summer um, issue. Um, to recap a little, did, did you want to go into that? Or? Well, I've got like some surge specific recap. Um, okay, then the 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 last issue of Cyforce we covered um, was the Cyforce Annual, which would have come out a couple weeks before this. Um, so between twelve issues twelve and thirteen, and this definitely follows up from the annual. And so, if you were like a kid back then, thinking, "I don't have to read an annual," those those are always uh, out of continuity and a waste of my time. You would be wrong in this case because yeah. we've a huge cast change. Um, one of the kids, Cyforce, has left and been replaced by their former opponent their former stalker stalker (laughs) thomas boyd psy stalker aka stalker aka siphon (laughs) good one wanted to call him um wonder that's gonna like an argument the kids would be having i want to use uh you know proud hawk's name for me i had my own name when to start with so why should i be anyway um (laughs) So, yeah, we had a issue 12 was uh, Stasi joining a cult. And then the annual had um, everyone trying to figure out if they should help Thomas Boyd. Michael find, um, is going through uh, computer files that they fi- find that uh, Proudhawk had left. And they all meet up at the museum and go over them. We get all their code names that uh, Proudhawk had given them and um, his sort of rundown on how they got their powers and what their powers are and everything. Boyd uh, joined, but it turns out that uh, the prophetic dream about Cyhawk meant that only five kids could be part of the, the team. Right. Because if you had a sixth to the Cyhawk, he goes crazy angry. <laughs> for some so, reason. For some reason, we didn't. It's like, okay. Um, and so one of the kids had to leave. And Michael, um, being a lot of it being from his point of view and thinking about who this would be best for, realized he was the one that was best on his own. So he he headed for the hills. And uh, Thomas Boyd joined the team. And we were saying to ourselves, wow, I'm sure this will be a big controversy. The kids will definitely have a lot of uh, questions and it'll be hard to fit Thomas into the team. Right. Yeah. Cyforce 13 suggests the answer to that is nope, not at all. It's (laughs) Um, best friends forever. Um, We head down. Let's uh, start into the first page. We've got a ambulance outside of St. Francis Hospital, which we... Oh, hey, we we traditionally do the cover. Do you, do you want to say anything oh, about I, it? Oh, yeah. Sorry. The cover is a um, kind of an action scene with three thugs um, fighting Tyrone. He's like going through one of them in his ghost pose. And I think he's got one of the guys shooting at his friend or something. Um, and then Wayne is um, mind controlling a, another thug with a gun. It looks like he's going to shoot himself. Very suggestive. Yeah, it's um, got like two little lines that look like parentheses, like, like kind of like his hand is quivering. Like 
He's like forcing his hand up to his <laughs> his temple and it's shaking. So which is it's a little rough. Yeah, it's a little more than uh, Wayne's uh, been doing, but Wayne's got his back to us. So uh, this thug in the center of the composition with the red hair, I at first thought was Boyd, but no, it's he's someone that Tyrone is fighting with. So okay, yeah. it's a weirdly wood panel looking gun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not quite sure what that is. Shotgun? No. Mm. I don't know. They, uh, the New Universe banner on top is has a yellow background and it's black lettering. Um, enjoy it while we can. We know the, the banner is going to change here pretty soon, and I'm not sure how soon, though. Um, that's it. It's by Grinberg. No. Somebody in Morgan. Somebody in Morgan. So inside we've got a uh, ambulance at a hospital. And inside there's a guy talking to a doctor. And the doctor's Mr. Marenko. Miranenko. Dr. Granger. My wife? Grigory. The news is not good. She has lapsed into a coma. It's a matter of days now. I'm sorry. Eugenia! <laughs> so we've got a very upset husband, uh, first a doctor who can't help him. Uh, this guy, Gregory, goes into the, the hospital room and uh, the nurses are like, oh, no, no. But uh, the doctor takes them out and says, give them uh, some privacy. And uh, Gregory is um, kneeling down with his, his wife, Pachimu, Pachimu. That means why in Russian. I looked that one up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why, yeah. why? Yet yeah. another sick person in a hospital bed after Mark Hazard and the witness in DP7 annual and now. Yeah, oddly enough, Gregory isn't like demanding he pulls a plug immediately unlike <laughs> all of those characters. <laughs> But um, yeah, we had um, a Stasi heavy issue, um, just last regular issue, and now, and then a bunch of other things in the new universe in hospitals with dying people. So sometimes you're like, "What's in the water there at Marvel?" Everyone's talking about the same thing this month, but who knows? So we move on. Hours pass, and someone there's a knock at the door, and translated from the Russian. We have a, a nondescript gentleman. Hello, Tavarish. That's comrade. My deepest condolences on your wife's unfortunate condition. Let me do my Dracula like accent. Here. <laughs> All my name. Dracula's. She is Serge Vladimirov. I was on Los Angeles. No, I don't. I'll <laughs> cut that part out. Starting to um, lose you there. I don't know. It's like a Spanish-Russian. I, I don't know what it's supposed to be. Serge Vladimirov, which is a kind of a Frenchified version of um, Sergei Vladimirov, mm -hmm. um, is uh, saying that he was in Los Angeles, and uh, this guy Miranenko is like, yeah, thanks, but uh, why are you bothering me? He says, oh, yeah, I am a liaison attached to the Soviet Scientific Council of the ASUSSR, which I had to look up, Academy of Sciences of the USSR. And he says, we are touring the universities here. The 
Uh, Marinenko immediately thinks to himself, KGB. What has this to do with my wife? Um, so Serge, who had met Cyforce in the first issue, is like, I encountered a remarkable young lady who uh, has powers that could help you. And uh, strangely, she's here in San Francisco. Um, so the Gregory recognizes the name and it's like, could it be? So we switch over to our splash page on page three. And that's... Oh, this is a good time to break in with who the heck is Serge Vladimirov real quick. Hit us with it. <laughs> I, I've built it up now too much. Like it's going to be some grand insight. Um, but yeah, we haven't seen him since issue one and it had been a while. So I went back and reread or kind of at least all the pages he was in um, really doesn't kind of doesn't really do too much. And I don't think it shows that much afterwards, but you know, in the beginning, uh, Emmett Proudhawk, who didn't last very long, but he he rescued Stasi the first of you know soon to be four hundred times she gets kidnapped, um, and they're they're running away from Surge and a bunch of Russians who are just you know trying to gun down Proudhawk and and capture uh, Stasi. <laughs> I named him Surge Kill the Indian Vladimirov because he kept <laughs> yelling that. That was kind of a fun moment from the early podcast. Um, but yeah, like her Stasi gave her backstory, like her parents sent her to live in Kansas with her aunt and uncle. But and the idea was probably because they knew the government was going to try and capture her because um, she had like limited powers. Um, but then her aunt and uncle died in a car crash. She got sent back to Russia and then her parents were also d- died as in probably they were all killed by the Russians as far as that goes. Um, it's also it seemed like they just told her they died so it's yeah they could be they were manipulated or yet killed either or hidden from her yeah i don't know we don't know and it was actually like halfway through issue one uh stasi called vladimirov the surge guy like to kind of turn herself in because she didn't want all of her new friends to get in trouble kind of like before all the showdowns happen. And then there's some mind wolf guy and all this stuff. I thought for a minute that uh, the Russians were in issue two, but no, that was actually the Americans who, and and the useless skipper who uh, ended up causing Cyforce more harm than good. Yeah, that's, I, I was also a little fuzzy on how it broke down, but KGB first issue, CIA second issue, as I, right. I'm pretty sure. So exactly. The, it's like, oh, thank goodness the CIA is here to help us. No, they're not here to help you at all. In fact, <laughs> yeah. they're even worse. Anyway, they were worse <laughs> because they killed all the kids. They actually like gunned all of five kids down, uh, but they were healed by the Cyhawk with the boosted healing power. Because again, the the Cyhawk, you know, when he's combined with the powers of all of the kids, he can use all of them and generally like a more powerful version. So. We don't see him every issue, but when he does, it's usually, you know, impressive. Anyway, yeah, that's the backstory. Back to your splash page. <laughs> <laughs> the um, I'm gonna say, I was gonna say, yeah, the the CIA, as we said, started popping up all over the place in season two, and 
it kind of complicates things when you have a, a early issue and you're like, oh, here's the director of the CIA and he's like a crazy guy out to kill everyone. And it's like, next thing you know, you have like every book has their own CIA contact and you're like, who's answering to who? These guys even know <laughs> each other. I don't yeah, there's a lot of leaders in the jerk division of the CIA. <laughs> the jerk store called, and they're running out of the CIA. Okay. Splash page. The uh, name of our story is Diplomatic Immunity, as we were uh, prophesied in Marvel Age. And we get a lot of text here talking about how the kids are out enjoying a nice day on a sunny day in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, of course. There are teenage runaways, and um, we have Tyrone and Thomas Boyd, stalker, just uh, enjoying a game of shirtless basketball while uh, the girls sort of cheer them on. And Wayne is uh, acting cool with like practicing a guitar that I don't think we've seen before. And mumbling lyrics to songs that i can't recognize most of the time sorry i figured them all out you got them all good okay so we've got um wayne thinking to himself gonna tan browner than chocolate syrup and while uh stassi's of course enthusiastic and kathy is dismissive um, you know their personality types quickly coming through so this whole scene is a bit of a like the X Men playing basket baseball scene um, from, um, around that time. Just like you show them having some fun, and then um, the aliens land or something. <laughs> I thought it was also kind of like a good, like, quick way to show what the kids' powers were, or at least most of them. Like throughout the first couple pages, like everybody uses their powers a little bit, almost. Yeah, it's a good like. It's a, the, I'm a little surprised by how long the scene went on, and it was about a five pages, almost a quarter of the book. But you're right; it does give like intro of personalities and powers, which is really all you need in these uh, first setup here. Um, yeah, and it's the most sports we've got since that DP seven dream volleyball issue. So at least we get some. Solid basketball. If I will, I will depend on your knowledge of basketball to tell me how solid it is. If the ball goes in the hoop, that's worth two points. <laughs> oh, I'm writing this down. Now. So we've got. Uh, <laughs> I guess they're trash talking. All right, Jessup, back at you. Try it, farm boy. It boy did not grow up on a farm. In your face, oof, <laughs> ow. So yeah, got... well, like Tyrone dunks on Thomas and then like blocks him hard to the ground. Okay, like lead ravioli. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is to me. <laughs> I guess it's heavy. <laughs> you do get uh, Thomas uh, landing hard on his elbow. Look, like it's bleeding, and uh, Tyrone feels bad. He's the real like kind of gentle guy. So he's like, oh, sorry, man. Um, Stasi runs over and uh, uses her healing power. And that uh, that elbow is back to normal in no time. She's pretty psyched. Um, 
Wayne hasn't even really noticed anything. He's um I got him the... doing like a Buddy Holly song first. Okay. Not fade away. I'm not sure if the second one is a different song or that same one though. It does have a fifties thing. I did recognize an Elvis thing in there later. Um yeah. he's got like his shades and leather jacket and everything. So he's whatever. He's doing retro uh rock and rockabilly rock and roll anyway they talk a little about practicing their powers and how they don't usually do that um tyrone goes up to shoot in a basket and kathy knocks it out of um out of the court with her telekinetic power tyrone's like oh it took me a once worth of chores to save up enough for that ball chores at the sanctuary i guess um i guess yeah and uh they kind of goof on each other for a minute and then he just uses his power and drops his body sort of on her he's like hold it hold me up a second there and suddenly he's a sack of potatoes his ghost form goes up and looks for the ball but it looks like it landed in the bay or something so he heads back uh the other kids are uh goofing around some more and uh, they finally get Wayne's attention, and he uses his power to mind control them all to go grab some pizza. <laughs> Which is Next the thing best. You know, they're all. <laughs> I thought that was the best part. <laughs> it is uh, like uh, cut cuts a lot of arguments when you're young folks, and you're like always are. Well, what should we eat? I don't know. Are you hungry? Um, they... I want pizza. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pizza sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next scene switches back to them on the street heading into Sanctuary and uh, they describe it as home for runaways that's only the beginning that's like the first 10 rooms are a home the, for runaways the infinite home for runaways <laughs> and uh, they, they're like oh what's that limo doing out front it's got diplomatic plates could be trouble it can park anywhere it wants, apparently. Mm. Um, that would be a good power in San Francisco, I imagine. Oh, indeed. So uh, they, the kids come in, and uh, Colby Shaw is serving tea to a, the Gregory Malenko that we saw on the first page. And he sees the kids and says, Malenkia Katyanak which I'm told means something like a uh, little kitten or something. Yep, that's what I got. And Stasi's like, Tiadi Grigori. And then we switch into like the translated from the Russian code. Anastasia, it really is you. Uncle Gregory, I don't believe it. Um, Why are you here? I need your help, Anastasia. Eugenia is dying. So. No, why are you really here? <laughs> Just cut to the point, I guess. They uh, go talk in a privacy for a minute uh, while the kids um, wonder, uh, Russian, this, this seems like trouble. They're, didn't they give us a, you know, they almost, uh, first time we ran into them, it was almost our last Seaside Force number one. Wayne tries uh, his power on uh, Gregory and, and comes back a second later and says, the guy is straight. His wife's really dying. So the uh, Gregory is like, you know, you're the only chance I have to Stasi. Can will you help me help her? Of course, Uncle Gregory. 
So she come out and is like, I'm going to go with him. And the kids are like, yeah, this seems like a legit setup. So we'll see you call us. This know. is one of those where the reader knows that something is going to definitely go wrong. Because we know that Surge guy is behind this in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's... Um, the kids are... Well, they're not too naive because they, they, they are suspicious of anyone showing interest in them and their powers, certainly. So, yeah. After that religious time. cult, you'd think they'd be uh, a little more suspicious though. Yeah, I mean, it's like I've said for a long time, uh, Stasi and, and um, Stephanie, healing power is, you know, on the open market, that is a valuable commodity. And uh, you, I mean, the others have various like military or spy applications, but everyone would want to, you know, live forever. So if they think you can give them that to them, uh, uh, there you go. So let's see. Um, Tyrone says, don't know, Kath. Don't trust any government types anymore, much less a Russian. But Stasi seemed cool. So Tyrone's pretty smart, actually. Mm-hmm. So, so we switch over to the Russian consulate, which is like a big estate, according to this, um, with gated uh, like, you know, driveway and, and separate buildings. Uh, imagine and, uh, Professor Xavier's mansion. There you go. And we've got uh, a little more narration talking about how Gregory Marenko came about six months ago. And uh, he did, because the place was a mess, uh, he really helped straighten things out. He's now the head of the consulate, uh, the Russian consulate there in San Francisco. And it, But his wife, Eugenia, had been getting sicker the whole time. And now she's um, there in that house dying and we have a scene with uh the russian local doctor um objecting to bringing this woman to serge vladimirov and he's like your objections are duly noted dr koyanov but i have very valid reasons and um, it's like he goes to like a hidden screen where he's like watching secret cameras in the room where Eugenia is and Stasi and Gregory come in. They come in and um, Stasi goes over to Eugenia and she sort of uh, is analyzing what's wrong with her while she's um, inspecting her. And he says, she inside, she is hollow, but it is an emptiness I recognize. Doctors confused, but the, the Gregory is like, stay back, leave her. Stasi continues, the infection is spread so far. Bum yestva. I actually I didn't look that one up. No, me either. I'm sure okay. it means, oh no. <laughs> it's not good, whatever it is. Um, Stasi is knocked out. And but she's um as she's kind of um uh, passing out, she's like, Guri, guri, I know what it is. I know. And then she faints. Mm. Yeah, because her powers get, you know, if if she tries to heal something that's sort of insurmountable, it would take all of her energy, presumably. So that's what we figure is going on here, right? Like something that's so bad that she uses up all her strength and it still doesn't quite fix it, but she passes out. Yeah, that's, I mean, she's definitely limited at times and just will, yeah, just drop 
a couple of times she like overextended herself with this like dying scientist and maybe the cult uh when it had her going around to, to various old people trying to patch them up so yeah she wears out pretty fast and is um if she tries to do too much to people but you gotta give her to a sanctuary Sorry, I said they got to give her a juice box after. <laughs> after every healing spell. Yeah, she's the uh, cleric of the group. Um, and like everyone knows, you have to like wait till the next day to regenerate your prayer through prayer. Right. Only sure. a couple spells and then you're pretty much useless. You can still turn the undead for a while, but um, <laughs> no new spells are granted. Anyway, back to uh, Sanctuary. At midnight, the boys are getting worried. Something's wrong. It's been five hours. What are we going to do? Break into the Russian consulate? Come on, this ain't the movies. It can be done easily. Unscrew that face, Chucker, and listen. That's Thomas Boyd. I, I, I don't know. He has, like, suddenly he's, like, Tom Cruise, like, risky business look, look to him now. Like, break into the Russian consulate? Not a problem. Let's go. Well, but, though, to be fair, I mean, he was like a trained assassin from the the Derek Shining Star, right? So he, the big bad had kind of trained him up to be basically a hitman and, you know, to take out Cyforce in the first place. So he's probably wow. the capable one at this point. It's a good uh, good analysis. The um, Well, we'll I'll, I'll throw more into the discussion later. The boys grab uh, Kathy and, you know, Kath. She might be in trouble. She might need us. And uh, they are off. The uh, uh, They missed the fun part where they like, tell her to dress in black. And she's like, I look terrible in dark clothes. And then she says she's got like an orange mini skirt kind of dress and uh, like a black coat over the top and some boots and matching leg warmers. And uh, Wayne that. says Calvin Klein prison wear. Ugh, Tyrone uh, just stuffs his body back at home and uh, goes in his astral form. So we are off to, and we're off to the consulate. The uh, kids are walking on the street and someone's watching them from a car. I think they have that like translated from the Russian code in their text boxes. So their bubbles, so they're just... Um, watching and then they call Serge Flamidimorov a flying ghost, two men and a woman. Okay. Great. Oh, they went in the subway. That's the worst way to get around in San Francisco. But so Vladimirov um gets off the phone with them and is like, prepare the plane for departure within the hour. Meanwhile, upstairs, um Stasi's waking up in a bed and Grigory is there and he says You've been asleep for four hours. You exhausted yourself for nothing. Eugenia passed away 40 minutes ago. Uncle Gregory, I'm sorry, but her death, I don't know. Something about it feels wrong. So Gregory is, you know, her uncle, so he's receptive to this. Earlier you said you recognized Eugenia's illness. I want you to tell me what you meant and what you know of a man named Sergei Vladimirov. Oh, now it's Sergey. Okay. I think he hates Indians. Uh, we switch over to um, Serge uh, watching a, a like closed circuit television camera. So he can see like through the gate 
that Thomas Boyd is out there getting something out of his backpack. And he's like, what are they doing? And um, Boyd goes up to the back gate and throws a Frisbee through this um, these bars to set off the motion detectors and sound an alarm. And you have all these consulate guards rustled out of bed and some of them it looks like and they're all they're all sort of all over the place and chaos erupts so a good distraction here they're all yelling in pseudo-russian i don't know what any of that means i feel like that first one I've heard before in like a Metal Gear video game, but just see. Yeah, I, th- I think Shta or Shto is uh, what? So, like, what's going on? Oh, and okay. then Mna um, is like mine or something. And I, I, but I don't get the rest of it. So it would make sense because I mean, like in the game, I'm always, you're always like setting off an alarm or like the guys are like, oh, what? There's somebody here. Let's go get him and that kind of thing. So, mm, okay. similar language. That I don't understand. That's so like that, that the guards struggle defending two gates. <laughs> it's like something's at yeah. the first gate, and then they all go running in their underwear and they're ready to go. And they're like, oh, wait, there's also a second gate. If only about 20 or so of us could guard both gates. Hmm, I don't know. Perhaps they were uh, undermined by the architectural layout of the consulate. Yeah. But to I'll be give fair, them two gates. It'll double their budget for guards duty. To be fair, I mean, what do they ever have to guard against in San Francisco? So they're probably just used to napping and drinking coffee instead. Guys peeing on the guard the gate. Get off of there. Uh, <laughs> welcome to America, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right for San Francisco. It's uh well. So the uh Kathy blows the the front gate and she and Wayne are running through um and Thomas uh does manage to jump over the wall in the back and um so they're all sort of heading in towards the house Tyrone is there in his um phantom form and he's um confusing guards even more by like flying through them um it's a bit like the cover but Boyd's not there. Um, Wayne is controlling a group of guards, telling them to shoot him up in the air. Kathy is just throwing a bunch of them around. And Thomas is kicking one while he's sucking the life force out of another. Set him up by leeching their energy, then knock him out. This is too easy. Yeah, he's having the most fun. Like he's like jumping over. He's like, "All right, it's time to go." And like Wayne's like, "I'm terrified." (laughs) This is quite a um, well-executed attack by these kids. To be honest, compared to things they've done before, it's um, quite impressive. The um, scene inside, we have Serge running to. well, anyway, he's saying to himself, how could they have become so powerful in less than a year? Miranenko, where are you? Have you seen Miranenko? And um, the girl, she is safe, Vladimirov, and I intend to keep her that way. And he's uh, 
Vladimirov tells him, we have a responsibility to guard the consulate and that girl, and uh, you have to do what I tell you, basically. I'll take the girl with me. Vladimirov, or Gregory is like, I'm do what I have to, but not at the cost of Anastasia's freedom or Eugenia's honor. Once I get the proof I need, you will pay. A lot going on here. Yeah, so he kind of sneaks off into some other room. Wayne is still um, fighting. Now there's police outside the gate. Um, just regular San Francisco police, I guess. And Tyrone sees this Vladimirov um, pushing Stasi into that limo and um, getting ready to like escape with her to the airport, I guess. So Tyrone's like, I have to stop him. And he scares the limo driver into driving into the gate. Booga, booga, booga. The, um... Well, it's like he scares him oh, and then he kind he of does turns stop. around. Okay. Yeah. And he drives to try and find the other gate or something. Yeah. So Wayne and um, Thomas are coming. And Kathy, Thomas says, Kathy, yeah, I see him. But they don't see me. I, and she like blows all the wheels off the car. So Kathy's power manages to stop the car completely and it crashes into the wall. Owen gets hit by the Russian flag. Just a nice action movie uh, thing there. <laughs> the flag falls down at the end. So we see there's a cop outside and he's like, this is a month's worth of paperwork already. <laughs> Epstein State Department. All right. Now that's Epstein, Jeffrey. <laughs> it's like when you're worried about some human trafficking, you want Epstein there. All right. <laughs> He'll fly you out of trouble in no time. <laughs> this young girl needs some safety and uh, security. I can provide that. Epstein State Department. Can someone tell me exactly what is going on? Stasi's like, help me. And uh, Serge just says, it is not within Mr. Epstein's jurisdiction to help you, child. Isn't that right, Mr. Epstein? So the other Cyforce uh, members are coming up uh, to sort of sneaking around, though, so they're not too obvious. And in the basement, um, Marinenko has been going through some files, and he finds something, Versk Secret, which I assume means top secret, and it's from or, uh, or two Sean Francuska Consulate USA. So San Francisco Consulate uh, in USA. And then, yeah, I recommend something, uh, blah, 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 blah. Something, something um, kill the Indian. <laughs> um, so he's thinking to himself, he injected you with the disease. He had me transferred here all to get Anastasia back. He won't get away with this. So outside Epstein and Serge are talking and uh, Serge is like, uh, no, she's on our soil and uh, she's ended her stay in your country. And Epstein surprisingly is uh, like willing to go with the diplomatic community dodge there. Without any more information, there's nothing I can do. Luckily, right then, Miranenko comes running out. Vladimirov, stop. Leave the child alone. And uh, he tells 
Epstein to take Stasi. Uh, Serge tries to argue with him, but Marinenko's like, uh, Vladimirov wanted to apprehend this girl and tried using me to do it. And, you know, the Epstein's like, well, okay, we can take her to the police station or something. And um, Marinenko's like, I run the consulate. It's my call. She, The girl goes and uh, you can, you know, bite it, Serge. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so even though we know Serge is like a KGB agent, so he, he kind of sort of outranks the consulate leader. Um, he's secretly a KGB agent, so in the in the eyes of the police, you are on the other side of the gate, then he can give up Stasi because you know, he's the head, right? So if he's like, she can go, then you know, legally then she can go, except he's probably going to get murdered later, right? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how like they, they describe it in these where the guards will, you know, listen to the nominal head, but the that guy is going to be in trouble once he has to go back and report to his superiors. And yeah, we get the calls. "you will pay dearly for this, Miranenko," and he says, "I already have." That was my gravelly American voice, I guess, not the Russian voice, but <laughs> translated from the Russian. Yeah. So a couple blocks away, the um, Wayne. <laughs> um, uses his power to um, stop the car and tell the cops to forget all about her. And she comes, run, runs out and they all hug and walk back to sanctuary. The end. Mm. Wow. <laughs> I feel like there's a little setup there at the end though. To, though it's like, is it, uh, I think it's uh, Thomas who was kind of excited saying, but as long as we work together, no one's going to jerk us around. And Wayne says, don't kid yourself, boy. It'll only get worse. Worse than this. If it ever gets that bad, don't bother waking me up for it. Right? So it's like, are they foreshadowing there a little bit, maybe? Is It'd be a shame if these troubleshooters all get killed because they're oh, going to no. get killed soon. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're... they're um, yeah, I mean, yeah, things will get worse. I'm sure of that, but it's this is quite movie. impressive from some angles and surprising as well. Um, so yeah, our thought after the the annual was that it's going to take Thomas a while to integrate into the team, and that um, you know there'd be sort of a buildup uh, where you're sort of there's sort of lowering their suspicions of him and he's increasing their trust of him um no this is like a hundred he's a hundred percent integrated like from from word go um, yeah yeah i mean i almost I'm, feel like maybe, i'm missing an issue. maybe they spent a month together uh back in Real the sanctuary time, right so they kind of worked out those details you know maybe it's just they didn't feel like spending a lot of time on that kind of thing. Well, I mean, this is not, this is um, Fabian Nessieza again, who did the um, teenage suicide episode issue a few, a few back. Um, and it's not Danny Fingeroth who had done the annual and some of the sort of backbone um, stories. So I'm not a hundred percent sure you know, if, if Fingeroth wouldn't have given us more. I mean, he did spend two issues. The first two issues were all like one long night in San Francisco. So. Right. Um, 
Yeah. I know we get a regular writer on this book, but I don't remember which of those two guys or if it's somebody else it is, to be perfectly honest. So I'm flying blind here. Uh, I, I must admit, I peeked uh, a couple into the future to of credits to to see where we're going here. Um, so the 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 team is also surprising because we had more um, working together in when they were visiting the reservation three or four issues ago, and they're right. sort of practicing their powers and stuff. But it's not like. A paramilitary operation like we we sort of see in this issue which is quite impressive honestly yeah um, yeah this is really kind of like the first time where they're acting a bit like a superhero team yeah very proactive let's say there's our target there's what we've got to do there's like strategic um moves you do a distraction over here You'll sneak in over here, use our powers on these guys, use use your power on that thing. Yeah, interesting. And yeah, more superhero-y, even if it's not like, I've come to save the day. It's, you know, their, their teammate who they care about. So, you know, uh, we never see Cyhawk, um, which that's fine. Yeah, that um, makes sense that you know he's sort of the use that last resort kind of thing. Though I guess he really would have kind of cleaned up <laughs> if they're like, all right, well, let's uh, all hang out in the back behind the gate and summon the Cyhawk, and he'll just uh, scoop her up and fly out of there. But again, he, like he doesn't necessarily listen to them. Like maybe he really does sort of activate when their lives are in danger, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked kind of as I was saying before the idea that Thomas Boyd comes in and he's been sort of like trained by the CIA rogue agent uh, so he can come up with these kind of plans and he's all excited about it and kicking the guys and take that commie or everybody else could kind of execute but maybe not brilliantly right so like Wayne goes in there and has the guys shooting up in the air so that they're not killing his friends but he could have just had them you know run away or go to sleep or something you know yeah yeah well Thomas is uh just 17 according to that annual so he's still pretty young but yeah it's like when we started Cyforce was more like the breakfast club we said and it was kind of very you know, if you push them into a corner, they'd use their powers to try to get out of it. But it was always very chaotic. Right. Um, everyone kind of going in a different direction and stuff. So, yeah, this is like maybe uh, the very interesting in terms of coordination of powers and planning this. Yeah, the guy is some training and maybe that's all it takes is like someone having some idea of what to do and few people with powers and there you go you can make quite a quite a splash yeah i mean with him there too and if they are going to act a little more like that again i haven't read any of the other books but you know maybe they go after you know his former boss Derek shining star to kind of like end the threat from him or something like that might be uh yeah i mean if you I'll be honest, if you get the, the KGB going back full force, uh, you should be able, you know, be able to like move past Derek Shining Star. He's kind of a first level villain boss fight, you know. It's not like <laughs> um, maybe. 
Well, I mean, he's like if the KGB had their own squad of paranormals kind of that's, thing. That's that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah, they they're like they've got this whole training center over there and plenty of people that must have developed para, you know powers from the white event. So maybe all probably... of their paranormal trainees have all hurt themselves in too rough training, and that's why they're desperate to get Stasi back and get their team back. She is the only one, only one. Yes, um, it's a you know, so yeah, the the yeah, so the KGB is an interesting uh, opponent, and I'm happy to see that coming back. Honestly, um, it was like I was. Uh, any more thoughts on Sci Force Thirteen? Hmm. I think I'm pretty close to ready to grade it. I mean, when I read it the first time through, it's like, all right, another issue. Girl gets kidnapped. They work together to rescue her. I feel like I've almost read this before. Um, you know, going through it again and kind of talking it through and with the fun Russian voices, uh, you kind of get get to some of the depth in it, and it is it does feel like something's moving. Like we got Serge back, and he argued politics a little bit. Um, you know, maybe that's leading to, like you said, KGB as a threat, and that could be kind of an interesting direction from things. Um, maybe the team's a little bit more action. So, yeah, so it. It's a pretty good issue. It's definitely a f- like fast moving. Um, feels kind of lighter. Um, I'm not sure if that's the speed it moves at or the sort of the way it kind of breezes through some of the, some character moments with. Uh, and I don't know, Nessieza, as, as we said before, takes over X Men in a few years, so this is um, you know feels very much like he's trying out some of that those tropes. Um, them playing sports together, them practicing their powers, you know, in this first scene, um, using, he's a little heavy handed with the um, foreign accents, where Claremont would uh, throw you uh, something from Colossus or Nightcrawler, it seems. Right, right. I will dip you way into uh, full Russian consulate. He had also (laughs) written that one of um, Codename Spitfire, where they're in um, Central America, Nicaragua, mm. maybe. And so everyone's speaking Spanish there. So, um, so did Nicia, did he take over X Men? Was that like after like the Jim Lee? Yeah, it's, it's like, like Lobdell and after Image leaves. Yeah, Lobdell yeah. and Nicieza. Okay. Um, so there's, there we go. Um, for me, I don't know. I'll give it a B. Um, no, I was thinking B. It's Black a Force, you know, it feels like a B kind of book a lot. Yeah, it's it's um it provides you a good dose of entertainment and uh moves quickly and still the characters are recognizable. I'm not gonna say think any anyone's like out of character in this. Um, I'm still a little like I, when I first saw the solicitation for it and then like you know this return of his very first foe in my head i was thinking like that was mind wolf like the psychic powered guy and like and i was kind of excited for that and then i realized it's just a diplomatic guy <laughs> <laughs> i probably would have thought that too if i'd have put my given it a second like one last sci force bit that was funny and like if if you have listened to all of the sci force commentary i'm always 
ripping on the the skipper from early on, like the CIA good guy and buddy of Emmett Proudhawk. He'll be back. He'll be back. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. And uh, at the end of issue two, he's like talking to uh, like with the kids that they're on the steps of the sanctuary. He's like, uh, I mean, Hawk must have wanted me to help you. What you can do, it's awesome, frightening. You can accomplish so much, but you'll need someone to guide you. Hawk knew that. Maybe I. And then, <laughs> um, oh shoot, what's the name? The the lady who runs the sanctuary. Colby Shaw. Colby Shaw. She says, "Put a lid on it, Skipper. It's late, kids. Come on in." <laughs> and she says, "Problem, kids. The problem, kids. The kind that need help the most, you know. But different doesn't mean bad. They need rest. Come back in the morning. Then you can talk to them. Maybe." <laughs> and he never came back. I wrote and asked him for help in Washington, D.C. or something. <laughs> oh, the skipper. Worst mentor well, ever. Yeah. He's, uh, I don't know. For, I, I do sort of expect something from him, but that, like, I was thinking he would be the, like, the guy, the villain in the shadows. So, you know, what do I know? <laughs> yeah. oh, let's take a quick look back at Universe News. I think Should we talk said... about this DP7 ad, though? Oh, okay. Yeah, they posted that on the the uh, Facebook fan page not too long ago. I think it's pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, so so you got a picture of the clinic, and the title says "Cleaning up their act is getting downright dirty," and it's got a wall with the sign for the clinic clinic for paranormal research. And they, that's funny that they put that right on the front. Um, but it's scribbled over with war and it's got uh, an antibody and Dave Landers and Scuzz. The fight to, for control of the clinic begins in DP seven. Mm. So that's exciting. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's next issue. It could be. Yeah. It's starting soon. They'll have, um, uh, after the confrontation with overshadow, they had a, um, who is in charge of the clinic? That's a good question. So yeah. Well, that's we'll the see. mini thing in 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 our actual universe news in the checklist for thirteen. It says Overshadow is gone. Who will control the clinic now? Oh yeah, there we go. I don't even know where these were these phrases appeared in. Like sometimes it's like I know this uh, phrase, but I don't know why I know it. <laughs> uh, let's see. So universe news says has a. Top uh, top level news is the departure of Jim Shooter, which we've mentioned already, and they do say nice things about him. Talented, one of the most talented creative people in the entire industry, spearheading new formats, new concepts, and exciting new comic book series, which he did. He's, and we're always giving him as much credit as we can for the new universe, as well as all the, a lot of things that were, to be honest better received or remembered yeah um so the uh new incoming editor-in-chief is two-fisted tom defalco um and they say that he has gone from he's been the um executive editor for the star comics line for a while and he's also been uh known to write some spider-man machine man firestar blah 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 um, Star Comics was like the Care Bears, like Heathcliff one, right? Right. So are we headed for a um, 
more child-friendly Marvel? Time will tell, I guess. <laughs> I don't think that's what you call the 90s. No. Uh, so more pouches, perhaps. It took a while to get there. Uh, we've got a, pro- a profile on Howard Mackey, the incoming uh, unified new universe uh, editor, who's hmm. going to be shepherding Starbrand, DP7, Justice, and Cyforce. Um He's also known for writing Chuck Norris number five, four, and five. <laughs> and as a freelancer, scripts for Air Raiders, which was like this weird little set of toys that I used to actually have when I was a kid. Oh, you recognize that? Yeah, I actually have a couple of them in my house still. Oh. They all had just like pump action missiles, like you compress the thing and it shot the missile. And oh, it wasn't the most exciting gimmick. I saw uh, an article about it in Marvel Age and I was <clears> like, completely at a loss to remember. Yeah, there's a lot of toy comics, like Sectars and stuff like that. And Some of them I remember and some of them I don't. Air Raiders I did. Toys were fun. Comic was bad. The uh, discerning listener could probably pin our ages exactly based on the things <laughs> we remember and don't remember. But... We both remember Chuck Norris. So uh, the most so... fun, though, we will um, head down to... Uh, the new universe slogan contest and we have the last month of slogan uh contestants yeah so let's head into taking turns reading these all right you want me to go first sure all right first one is the universe beyond your dreams except you just canceled night mask so maybe a different one (laughs) new universe Think of the possibilities. Mm. Huh? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little generic, but I like it. Uh, new universe. So where anything can happen and does. Uh, that's even more generic. <laughs> new universe. It, it, it's comic books. <laughs> it's uh, not having new universe in the slogan really bites into that one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> New universe. It's not so new. You've been living in it for years. Mm. It's kind of taken Shooter's uh, description of it out of context, I think. Yeah, might be a little too meta or something, right? Like, people really have to think a little too hard about that one. <laughs> I don't think you want to be so, co- like, uh, confrontational, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not so new. It's your universe, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good slogan. It's your universe, comma <laughs> idiot. <laughs> Let's not add that one to the podcast. Oh come on! We have plenty <laughs> of room at the bottom of the podcast. Remember that earlier conversation about getting canceled? <laughs> These guys hate Indians, and they called me stupid. <laughs> it's like no, Serge Vladimirov hates the Vladimirov hates the Indians. It was an issue one. <laughs> uh all right, is it my turn or yours? I lost track. <laughs> I think yours with Brave. Brave New World, Brave New Universe. A little bit too much like the book. Yeah, literary references are, aren't, aren't always what you want. Knowing No Limits, The New Universe. It's, you know, I mean, you're getting something promising there. I don't... It sounds nice, but the whole point was that there's kind of limits, right? <laughs> Mm. I guess that's good. <laughs> a new view for the new you. 
That's a Canadian one. We can discount that. To boldly go where no comics have gone before. That sounds new a universe. <laughs> yeah, come on. You're going to get a trademark infringement if, with that one. No, they had a Nike shirt on the, on the Tyrone in this issue. So maybe they're not so worried about that. But I like this I one. Like, okay, good. New universe, crossroads to legends. A nice ring to it, but Legend is like also a DC crossover that came out mm. maybe the next year. I don't know if it's maybe it's come out already. Maybe we can adopt that in our intro, Andy and Steven Crossroads to Legends. I'll stick that in my CV and see if anyone notices. <laughs> Indeed, nuke me with the new. Thanks, Ernest Pascua, Hilo, Hawaii. Something comes out of Hawaii. Amazing. Nuke me with the new. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounds like something that people say on the Facebook fan page. I wonder if that means something. Hmm. <laughs> uh, the new universe is full of stars in more ways than one. Ooh. Okay. Sounds Coming nice. Back to, let's go back to nuke me with the new for a second. It does like hit you pretty pretty well, but like I'm not sure. I thought I I think of like nuke and new. Yeah. It's like, are are you guys thinking in terms of some sort of global catastrophe, <laughs> some sort of gigantic explosion? Why do why is that even on your minds? I don't know. Stop foreshadowing. The new universe is full of stars. Oh, you just did. I that just one. read that one. Until. I don't really listen to you, Andy. I, I <laughs> Until... This entire podcast. It's just going to be me <laughs> responding. <laughs> Until White Event 2. I'll stick with the new. I kind of like that one. It's a little inside baseball, but yeah, it's not yeah. bad. Um, and yeah. This is Come a better match than the other uh, the other uh bunches of them that we've seen i think yeah i mean people are sort of all over the place which i kind of like so yeah i like that until white event too i'll stick with the new uh next one new universe this time it's for real that kind of works i I do like that one yeah uh to believe it you have to see it that's another canadian guy and again, if new you or some, you know, new or you or new you is not in the phrase. Right. Eh. It's not trying. Or the next one is maybe perhaps weaker. The storm after the calm. I get it, but. Yeah. I can see that as like a tag for an action movie or something, but uh, I would just call it the storm after the clam every time I saw <laughs> it. Just to be make myself laugh i don't know yep um catapulting comics into the future Mm -hmm. into the future i like catapulting not so yeah and we're supposed to be in the present day like we're real time here not the future that's true too we're prevented from going into we would have had strike force moratorium if we go in the future that's true and finally Go Nova with the new universe. 
That's also good, yeah. Yeah, I like it too. The Nova thing doesn't really tie in, but it has uh it it's a little like more you know Starman than than nuke me, so yeah. go Nova. What, do you have a favorite of the bunch? Um I think my favorite, and I'll talk while you think about what that is. Um, it's I think it's until white event two. I'll stick with the new. It's rhymes mentions the white event. That's mm-hmm. new. Okay. Of course, he's also saying like if you do another white event, then I'm out of here. But <laughs> um, I'm sorry to tell you this, uh, Larry Jeffries. Um, you got a few months here. And then it's, there you go. <laughs> um. I don't know. Go Nova's good, but I'll go with New Universe this time. It's for real. For real. <laughs> um, I'm sure this legend also gets an honorable mention. Yeah. But I think you were right. Nuke me with the new sounds awfully promising. Yeah, so they say you know, next month they'll pick the winner. So I guess we have no more fun slogans, but maybe they'll have some uh, something else interesting for us to... Uh, lab about we'll do our best to uh spin some gold out of this um comet um raw <laughs> materials i don't know uh, we, that's why i work on your slogan before uh, you what am i rumple stiltskin over here i don't know <laughs> anyway. you're helping well, triangulate it's... your age again <laughs> all right should we call <laughs> it for this week's episode and yeah. Um, so, yeah, so next time we continue covering the new universe with uh, next week's Justice and DP7, both number 13s. All right. Justice number 13. Two Bonnie and Clyde type murderers discover the meaning of fear when their killing spree puts justice on their trail. Written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Keith Giffen. And uh, this is confirmed. Justice 13. Justice prefer- pursues a Bonnie and Clyde like pair of robbers. Mm. Although I, I thought we already got exactly that one. Like, but... That was issue twelve. Yeah, I don't know what happened here. So, well, maybe um, we'll get another Bonnie and Clyde like pair of robbers. He definitely killed them on that last page. <laughs> so it's, it's not the both, same ones. Whatever it is, both um, have evil twins. Oh. Okay, you want to run? Hit DP yeah, seven? so DP seven number thirteen. Uh, learn the untold life story of Charlie Beck in Everything is Beautiful at the Ballet, written by Peter David and penciled by Lee Weeks. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. The, 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 I mean, all books had fill-in issues stocked up somewhere, so maybe they wanted to bring it out. But then um, the, the short version is our overshadow is gone. Who will control the clinic now? And they could do two stories there, but it does sound strange. But yeah, just listen to next episode if you don't know. Um, yeah, until then, kickersinc.com. Good old website, newuniversepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your slogan ideas or what we should call ourselves, Crossroad to Legends or whatnot. Um, it's your universe, idiot. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> well played, oh, sir. Well played. <laughs> this has been the voice of the new universe, idiot. And we'll see you back at the spinner rack. <laughs> and don't throw away the dock either. Oh, starting off season three with a bang. Oh.